You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. The Catholic Psyche Podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment, therapy, or diagnosis. You should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment. You want to start us off? Yep. You're listening to the Catholic Psyche Podcast. This is Chris. And Deacon Basil. Once again, the two of us here. It's twofer. And we are going to go, we're going to go deep. Deep. So we gave you, we gave you the, you know, the milk of Avagrius, and now we're going to give you the solid food. <laughs> of Avagrius. Yeah. Yeah, so I think the key about this is who was Avagrius. I think we got to start off there. Yeah, let's um, do like a recap. A so recap. we did another episode way back when. Where yeah. you talked about your favorite, um, favorite Eastern Eastern father uh, of the Church, Evagrius of Pontus. Yep. And how he invented CBT, yep. cognitive behavior therapy. Yep. And uh, and he did this back in the um, you know in the mid fourth century, so 300, 380. So so you know for example he was ordained um, a reader. He was installed as a reader by Basil the Great. He was ordained a deacon. Um, and you know one of the big things is he he got mixed up with a with a certain um, high ranking court official, uh, his, his wife, um, uh. and so he had to leave um, the the court very quickly. Um, and he ended up in Palestine, um, where he had some friends who were developing monasteries in the spiritual life, and they pushed you know they convinced him to move off into the deserts of Egypt. And this is really about third fourth generation of monks, you know second third fourth generation of monks. Um, and so you've got you know the the legalization of Christianity and you know in with the with the Edict of Milan somewhat, um, but you have this this development of Christianity where it became very easy to be a Christian. Yeah. And so in order to sort of self martyr, and that that's not in a weird way, but to martyr yourself slowly throughout the spiritual life, it's a process of going off into the desert and experiencing deep, deep, deep spiritual uh, the spiritual life in a deep, deep way. And this has happened, and Evagrius was part of that movement and one of the kind of he had one of those happy problems where he was so renowned for his spiritual insight that you start to have other monks come and ask him for advice and sort of help and mentoring in the spiritual life mm -hmm. and what Evagrius does over over many many years is he starts to develop this kind of model yeah. Now, there's this big problem, I think, that we have in the modern church. And I don't think that this is like a document, uh, you know, in the documents or anything like that. But I think there's this... Like a cultural... It's a cultural aspect of view of uh, the spiritual life where it becomes a sort of very abstract thing that is like I, I, I kind of have this almost Gnostic approach to the spiritual life. Like other otherworldly and, right. and disconnected from from the day-to-day. -day. From the day-to-day. -day. And, and as if my adoration hour, my holy hour, has nothing to do with the first um, few minutes of my office, right? In, in my office yeah, yeah. Um, later in the day. And, and the you reality know, you is... You don't mean the, the divine office. I don't mean the divine mean, office. I mean, like, you know, clinical office. My nine to five, my clinical office, right. whatever it might be. And I think that that's kind of a mistake and actually completely foreign, especially to the ancient church. Yeah. The spiritual life, the practical spiritual life for Evagrius and for the church fathers and for the monks was this working through the thoughts. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is, is that you would, you, you as a spiritual son would come to your spiritual father and you would describe the thoughts that you've been having throughout your day. Mm. And you'd be describing, well, I wasn't doing such a good job in prayer last week, or I was, you know, I was struggling to X, Y, and Z. And the spiritual father would give you more and, uh, you know, he would listen and he would give you clearer and clearer advice. 
as to how to combat those thoughts or change those thoughts or develop in the spiritual life. You know, and the classic example of this might be you come up to your spiritual father and you say, Lord, give our father, give me a word of life. And that was the classic phrase that a spiritual son would ask his father. I love that. And the spiritual father would say something like the, the classic example is go sell all that you have and follow me. And so the, de- the, uh, the deacon, the, uh, the spiritual son would go off into the desert on his own for a week and just meditate upon that phrase. And over time, the spiritual father can get more and more and more and more precise Mm -hmm. as to the needs of the spiritual son. So it's a spiritual son who specifically struggles with gluttony, for example, and how that develops into his life. And so it gets more and more and more. tailored. Exactly. And and this is where spiritual direction comes from. Right. Um, And this is, you know, Evagrius and the church fathers, um, especially the desert fathers, were the first first spiritual directors. So you get this, this movement. And Evagrius has this vision of the spiritual life as being in relation to the thoughts constantly. It's always in relation back to the thoughts. And so he develops an entire cognitive behavioral model, a theological and and theoretical model of applying the virtues and and specific advice into the the spiritual life and the practical life. Um, And, you know, he uses it. I maintain he uses as the first diagnostic and statistical manual, um, well, maybe not statistical, but the diagnostic manual yeah. um, called the eight evil thoughts or the eight logismoi, the yeah. eight evil thoughts. And logismoi just means thoughts or logismos is a singular, singular thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lo- logos or uh, logical today. Logical. Yeah. Words like logical. Yeah. Absolutely. So it really starts off with this, with this development of, you know, you would come to Father Evagrius or, you know, Father, you know Deacon Evagrius and you would start saying, you know, I really struggle with this area and I, I, I have these thoughts of great anger. So let's pause really quick because okay. there's something really profound here that we, we can't emphasize enough. Mm-hmm. I, I notice you're, you're talking about cultural tendencies. I notice a cultural tendency in the church to get hung up on behavior. Yes. Okay. You know, when you, you you might pick up an, uh, something called an examination of conscience, which might prepare you for the sacrament of confession. You're going to read through it and it's going to say, did you have sex with someone that wasn't your wife? Yep. Did you steal anything? Yep. Did you lie? Did you hurt anyone or murder anyone? Okay, whatever. You know, if you, you maybe, maybe it's even more than that. Maybe it's like, did you text and drive? Did you litter? Whatever it is. Okay. Nope. And some of them can get really, really precise. Well, and that's good because you know right. one, the ones that are like, did you, you know, did you, did you uh, commit adultery? Did you murder? Nope, nope, no. Nope. I guess I don't have any sins. Those are kind of unhelpful for most right. people. Right. So anyway, uh, even if it's more comprehensive, it's going to be about behavior, and you're going to be hung up on these behaviors, and it's like as though these behaviors spring from a vacuum. Behaviors don't spring from a vacuum. Well, that's the entire insight of cognitive therapy. You know that it, yeah, that it doesn't just come out of nowhere. So where do the behaviors come from? Well, so I think I think the development on that is really important because you have the eight evil thoughts and over time those develop by St. Gregory the Great into the seven deadly sins. And that's that transition there. Yeah. You move it from the realm of the thoughts, which precede the action, and you bring it into just the action, just the sin itself. So I have had a great experience of moving towards avarice, right, in the mm-hmm. thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then over time, it goes into, boom, now I'm greedy. Yeah, thought, thoughts lead to behaviors. Absolutely. The thoughts we have about the world and the beliefs we have about ourselves are what we we fall into these patterns and habits of thought. That's what causes us to act in certain ways. We don't act 
you know, human beings are, don't just act spontaneously. Yep. And so if you want to fix your life and if you want to become holy, what would be more fruitful to focus only on the behaviors or to trace them back to their root? Absolutely. And that's, that's the whole point. And there's a phenomenal book that, I mean, literally was just published in the last few weeks, actually. It's called Time and Despondency by Nicole Rokas. And in it, her phenomenal um, analogy of this is the, the actual sin as being like the cancerous malignant tumor. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, when it needs to be cut out, obviously. And that's what confession really is. This process of cutting out the malignant cancer of, of the sin. Yeah. But, and, and again, in the East, we say sin is sickness, mm-hmm. right? Over time, though, that that t- cancerous tumor comes from the precancerous cell. Totally. Which we would say would be the logismoi. Mm-hmm. So the logismoi, if in and of itself, might not be sinful. Mm-hmm. But over time, if left to its own, it develops into that malignant cancer tumor. Yeah. Which is the sin. And I think that's a really, I mean, for me, when I was reading that, I was like, wow, that's like the most insightful. I mean, no, it's really. And it's exactly where it comes from. It's simple, but yeah. it's profound. Yeah. And it's true. So, so for me, I mean, some of the things that I've been doing kind of clinically with people has been asking these questions of like, when did that, you know, when did that anxiety, for example, it, it works really well with anxiety. Yeah. When did, what was the seed of that anxiety and when did it start in your day? So you were, you know, you were at home making dinner, having a panic attack. Mm. Okay, that's where that's where it completely came to its completion. But what was the seed earlier in the day? That's so true. Right. It's the self-talk yeah. that you had on the drive into work. That's right. And then at your office, you blah, blah, blah. And, and then it was that conversation that developed and it continued. And this is that logismoi metastasizing yeah. into the cancer. Yeah. In AA, you know, some um, people who are new to the 12 steps will say, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what happened. You know, when they slip, I don't know what happened. I just ended up in a bar. Right. Or people in SA will say, I don't know what happened. You know, um, a prostitute just kind of walked into my car. Yeah, I, don't know, right. I don't know what happened. I don't know what. Yeah. I don't know what happened. And and, and the thing is, is, they actually don't. Yeah. I mean, so once not... they grow in right. insight, you'll see that the seed that germinated in you being in a bar drinking, or you having a, another extramarital affair, or a compulsive sexual encounter, started earlier in the day, earlier in the week, and it started uh, not in your behavior, but in your in your mind. In your mind. Yeah. You yep. started to, to to slip in your th- in your thinking. And that's the. I mean. The incredible insight of Evagrius. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, he's not the only one that came up with these ideas, no, but no. but I think one of the things is that he conceptualized it within the, the sort of psycho-spiritual realm. And, and very, not very only clearly. did he conceptualize it, but he made it practical. Yeah. Because he didn't he didn't just write the eight evil thoughts. He wrote this this book that I've been looking at this whole time. Yeah, Talking Back or the Antereticus. Talking is, Back. Yeah. And so so this gets to a really key point about what the logismoi are. Mm-hmm. Um, he would say, and and Evagrius was the founder of the entire theological study of demonology. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think very often people in the church, uh, myself included at times, have been better catechized by Hollywood yeah. as to what the demons are right. than what the, actually what the church teaches on these things. And I think sometimes people have this conception of like, well, I just have to be very careful so that I don't get possessed or I don't have some kind of spiritual thing. It's like, but you've allowed those thoughts, yeah. those logismoi yeah. of X, Y, and Z to run rampant within your soul. Most people's experience of the demons 
are the thoughts in your soul, not the process of, of this whole... Most people don't, don't like, get possessed and levitate and speak in tongues right. and, like, you know what I mean, see, like, tentacles coming out of their closet. Most people right. don't have that experience. Right. But most people have an experience of cultivating, like, angry and vengeful thoughts about someone who's wronged them. Everybody does. And I think sometimes we get distracted by this thought of the devil behind every corner instead of just dealing with our own psycho-spiritual lives, you know? I think that's sometimes a big struggle. Yeah. Now, how this develops. Okay, so if the logismoi are my thoughts, if, if, for example, the eight evil thoughts are the demons... Um, for example, we use the example of, of, of his principle. He says everything comes from gluttony. Okay. This desire like for first. self, yeah. that, that, that desire for self-satisfaction, both physically or, or psychologically. Okay, so if gluttony is the demon, then how do we talk back to those logismo, to that demon? And, you know, one of the insights of, the, of recent demonology is that you really shouldn't be sitting there and dialoguing with demons. No, don't, don't play don't, chess with don't the devil. Play, he'll beat you. He'll beat you. But... You take the model of Christ. Yeah. How did Christ combat the devil? He used the word of God. He used the word of God. He used the scriptures. Yeah. And so Evagrius would go so far as to say that the cognitive part of the Evagrian model is the antiretikos. So when you have, for example, um, if you turn in there, the, the antiretikos... Yeah, can, can I give uses, some examples? Yeah, please. Yeah. Okay, please. so um, here, here's one maybe some of our listeners have trouble with. The, against the thought... Well, do we want to do... Which one do you want to do? My favorite one is... Um, what It's Acadia or Achidia, which is... Um, in this book, it's... Um, Sadness. Uh, no, it's actually um, listlessness. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so it's number six. Oh, I had, I had fornication up, but this the, is probably... Uh, fornication's fun, too. I, I mean... Let's, I mean do one, uh, let's do a couple for me. So, so for example, from uh, the, the first one in there, the first one um, with listlessness. Yeah. Can you, can you go ahead and read it? Yeah, so this is like... And, 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 and listlessness. Acadia is the sort of emotional exhaustion and the desire to always not do what is necessary now, mm-hmm. but to go and try and be distracted from everything else. Okay. This is the... Instagram yeah, yeah, uh, generation. Yeah, yeah. This is this is my desire to to sit there and instead of praying, I'm going to be thinking about all the other things that I should be doing, even good things. Yeah, sure. So this is against the thought of the demon of listlessness that hates the manual labor of the skill that it knows and wants to learn another skill by which it will be better supported and which will not be so arduous. Against that thought, Evagrius prescribes this scripture. Genesis 3.9 by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread until you return to the earth from which you were taken. For you are earth, and to earth you shall return. And so, that's like, for me, like, that's the second career. The desire for the second career, where I'm, instead of working and mastering what I'm doing now, I'm sitting there going, well, you know, if I, you know, became, I don't know, a doctor, then I wouldn't have to work so hard, which is, not, I mean, a total lie, by the way. But, you know, if I if I had this second skill, then I would be able to support myself and I wouldn't have to work so hard and I can then relax and, and take it easy and have an easy life. Now, sometimes a second career is very, very important, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes that's that's exactly what we're called to do. And sometimes going back to grad school is a phenomenal thing. But we have to make sure that we're, if, if it's this constant, you know, we have to discern whether it's the will of God or whether it's this constant pecking by the demons, by the thoughts. And so I think for me, it's when do you have those thoughts of listlessness? When do you have those thoughts of, boy, I really should go and go back and get, you know, a law degree. I don't know why a law degree. I have but, them you know. in the, what is it, the, the sixth hour, the ninth hour? Um, the, yeah, the, the noon, noonday, so the, the ninth day, hour, yeah. the, the sixth to the ninth hour yeah. in particular. Ten, ten to two is what Evagrius The noonday says. demon. The noonday demon. So you would spend some time meditating upon this as you notice those things kind of coming up. 
And then you wanted to do one on Yeah, I mean, they're just so good. They're yeah. just so good. Um, okay, so you let's see. He has all these, like, fornication thoughts. Uh, okay. Um, okay. Against the, against the soul that day and night is harassed by thoughts of fornication, losing hope that will, it will ever gain victory over them. The prescribed um, scripture that you should talk back to the demon with is Deuteronomy 7, 17 to 18. Quote, but if you should say in your thinking, this nation is greater than I, how will I be able to destroy them? You shall not fear them. Remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and all of the Egyptians. Right. So it's these like scriptures that you just throw back. You just like throw them back at the thoughts. And, and just keep repeating. Yeah. You know, and, and over time, what's so cool about this model is that it, it slowly gets more, you know, it, 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 it really does change the cognitive way in which you, you approach these things. You become really like new habits of thinking. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's just so insightful. So Evagrius has that as the treatment, as the cognitive treatment. He also has the behavioral treatment. Mm -hmm. And behavioral treatments are, you know, the specific actions that you do against those specific issues so that you can develop them um, in, in new ways. So, for example, my favorite one, because it's so clear, is what is the behavioral response to gluttony mm -hmm. fasting it's so it's like common sense it's so common sense but think about it how often do people enter into lent thinking i am needing to struggle with my gluttony therefore i'm going to fast right. or how often does a priest when someone confesses gluttony prescribe Prescribed very rarely yeah, yeah like as the as the penance yeah. fasting which is it's so practical right? it's so practical and for acadia it's it's the, the work that you're meant to do right yeah it's perseverance perseverance and and i don't know about your experience, but when I'm struggling with Acadia, it's like the last thing I, I want know. to do is yeah, persevere. If, if you do it. But that's the point. Right. Right. And that's exactly it. So I think really the key about this, and, and uh, we kind of need to get a little deeper here, I think, to understand it fully, is that you've got these eight evil thoughts. Um, and in the way in which Evagrius would say it, and this kind of comes off of some of the stuff we've talked about um, last time with uh, with the book that you were discussing, mm -hmm. um, the, the soul has sort of three powers, three domains. Mm -hmm. um, and we would say that the pure rational part, there's a Greek term that begins with logos, but it doesn't, it's not coming to mind off the top of my head. Um, but the pure rational power of the soul, right? And he would say that this is where, you, this is the, like the ideal place. This is the, like the, the place of, I would say the noose. well, the noose is the intellect and the heart, you know, yeah. which is, is certainly there. And that's, that's See, this is different. We're East and West. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I would say that that's definitely where it is. When the noose is completely enlightened, it yeah. is in the pure rational state um, where the, the, sort of ability to rational, r rationalize, you know, the, the way forward. And we can see it from purely the will of God, okay. right? So that's the pure rational part. This is what you are engaged in right now, trying to understand what the heck I'm yeah. talking about, right? Well, I'm also uh, recruiting my my sub-rational faculties, like the emotions, and the right? because we're a unified human being. We're Absolutely. A, a, a mind, you know? Yeah, but so that's the purely rational Got part, it. though. But on the other extreme, you have the purely irrational Okay. Right? Which we would call the concupiscible power of the soul. So these are the pure desires. So when you are... The id. The id, if you will, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, no, I think wonder, that's true, yeah. yeah, yeah um, map. That would be interesting. Id as in the... And then the superego. Right. Um, being there and then the, well, the raspable... I mean, for Freud, yeah. No, no, long, long story. But, but I do think that there's this 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 really interesting... So the, the concupiscible is the pure base power of the soul. Mm -hmm. Now, you would be dead 
coincidentally if you didn't have some base rational power of the soul. But we should try and tame that as yeah. much as we possibly can. So between those two, he would say you have the irascible. And I know that's a little different from an um, from a purely sure, Thomistic no, approach, but the idea is the idea being is that for uh, the concupiscible, when it is mixed with rationality mm-hmm. in some degree, you get into that irascible power, mm-hmm. where it's it's somewhat of a mixture. So you have the three purely concupiscible um, logismoi of gluttony, avarice, and vainglory. Mm-hmm. These are the three principal ones that are pure base desire, mm-hmm. right? When they are mixed with rationality and reasoning, then they can come out in between mm-hmm. and you start making these sort of rationalizations for why they're a good thing. And that's why the irascible power is, uh, the, the irascible logismo are so much more difficult to, to um, fight against. Mm-hmm. So for example, gluttony in an Evagrian model, gluttony would develop into when it's mixed with rationality into fornication or lust. Oh, yeah. right. Now, I don't know, um, maybe this is getting a little too honest, but like that is entirely my experience of extremely rich food. Other powers get uh, get intense, you know, intense. I mean, it's it's probably no it's no coincidence that you know in the ancient world the, those things are associated. I'm thinking of like the symposium of, of Plato, which is like a drinking party where yeah. they end up talking about about um, you know physical expressions of love. Absolutely, and, you know, and, and and kind of in in Rome at the height of its decadence, um, I think feasting and and fornicating were uh, hand in hand. Um, I remember my my rector of one of my rectors of happy memory. Um, actually, the other one just passed away, unfortunately. Um, but uh, Father Bill Bear, uh, he gave this great talk the week before Thanksgiving break to mm. all of the seminarians, saying, "Be careful when one of those one pa- of one of those passions is is engaged and fulfilled. Be careful that the other ones don't get engaged as well." You know, and I think that's an important insight into the human it's person. Really good advice. Yeah. yeah, and so where does where does fornication then come? Well, fornication is more difficult because you can justify it, mm-hmm. right? You can say, "Well, I have reasons. I'm in love. I have blah blah." You know, all of those different things. You can rationalize away mm-hmm. fornication, and that's why it's in Evagrius's understanding why it's so difficult to fight against. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, Thomas talks a lot about how uh, gluttony and fornication impair the intellect mm-hmm. um, so that it's actually harder to reason your way out of them. Kind of and, and, of and, and Evagrius says that as well. He says that the intellect is deadened by gluttony, by food. I mean, you, yeah. Have you, I mean, you know, someone who's, who's, who's dead set in that sin and, and completely, uh, completely taken by it is not going to be amenable to whatever, you know, reasonable advice you give them. Right. They're going to have to discover that some other way right and that's why the the three concupiscible powers are uh the concupiscible logismoi this is why evagria says work on these three first mm-hmm. um because from those you can hopefully work on all of the others mm-hmm. um and that's i think there's, there's some real insight into it that's so uh working on gluttony avarice and vainglory yeah that's good i i like that framework i i wonder about um you know any of them is being completely divorced from the rational power. I mean, oh no, I don't think they can be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that you can say that it's like they're purely sub. Absolutely yeah, nothing. I mean, look, look, look. I mean, part of the thing is is that part of the reason why people struggle with gluttony is because they're saying, "Well, look, I have to feed my body." Right. There's right. rationality. I mean, sometimes I think. Well, and vainglory in particular involves so so much, you know, intellectualizing. Like, yeah, which is the desire of the esteem of others. Right. right. And and interestingly enough, even with vainglory, I mean, you know, in the book I talked about last episode on resilience and fortitude, there's a section on 
um, honor and the role mm-hmm. that honor plays in fortitude. And that's something that we've completely lost in the yeah. modern world. I mean, no one in America in 2019 is talking about how important honor is. Right. I mean, we, we do desire the esteem of others, but we've just completely lost that framework. And so there's a sense that like, you know, um, vainglory is this inordinate desire for the esteem of others but yeah. like the, the 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 rightful esteem of other like if a society is rightly ordered then you will be honored for your, your virtuous works absolutely and so i think that's i think that's exactly it and i think you know so evagrius and kind of the big takeaway that i would want people to kind of understand about evagrius is that you know the spiritual life is not just simply sitting in front of the adoration you know in, in adoration that's important that's great yeah. you know especially for People in the in churches where that's you know their principal yeah. um, theology, but you know the thing is is that it's much more than that. Yeah. The Dude. spiritual life is not just sitting there praying. The spiritual life is sitting there and fighting those logismoi. Yeah. And there's a very practical way that uh, actually it comes out of uh, the Roman. Um, um, Ignatian spirituality, uh, yeah, which has yeah. just been like I, I, I really returned back to it um, oh, wow. in the last probably six months. Kind of surprised. I didn't expect you to say that. Well, I was, I actually, I mean, I was trained in the uh, yeah. in Ignatian spirituality for three years. Well, and there's uh, a lot of overlap. I mean, that Ignatian spirituality is very internal. Internal, yeah. I personally have some some struggles with yeah, um, yeah. with some of it, uh, okay. particularly with the role of the imagination within certain things. Okay, but I think one of them. So so to completely oversimplify, yeah, the entire. Uh, Jesuit and Ignatian yeah. spirituality, like yeah. this is this is so oversimplified. But essentially, you've got three major tools, mm-hmm. maybe four. You've got meditation and contemplation, mm. which is sort of a way of reading the scriptures and meditating upon the scriptures, which is phenomenal. Then you've got the discernment of spirits, which are rules for discernment, which can be very helpful as well. Um, but the one that has been particularly interesting for me has and it, applying this Evagrian model within it has been the examine prayer. Mm. I, what, I've been doing that this way. Yeah, it's really yeah. profound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a phenomenal book by. Uh, Father Timothy Gallagher, where he kind of takes this one tool. I, I once had a my when I was doing the Ignatian exercises, uh, my spiritual director said that reading Ignatius is like reading the rules for tennis. Um, there's not much meat on the bones, and I think what's really incredible is that in the last probably 15 to 20 years, there's been a lot of development by um, by some um, either the oblates of the blessed uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary yeah. um, here in Denver or um, the Jesuits themselves, or to, you know, there's been a lot of movement to kind of put some meat on those bones and uh, i mean it's there I oh absolutely there. oh no i'm not i'm yeah, not saying it's, it's not there at all it's no, the examine there. prayer is really profound right i mean that's yeah. like you know you usually you pray it at night at the end of your day and yep it involves like what like gratitude for things yes yeah, so you start off with gratitude yeah. and then you go throughout the day which is also like evidence-based right it's totally evidence-based <laughs> there's a lot of cool research on gratitude absolutely yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And so, so you start off with gratitude and you go throughout your day. I mean, this is what Father Timothy Gallagher, uh, the book is in the, uh, it's called The Examine Prayer. It's in the show notes. Nice. Um, but what Father Timothy Gallagher says is that it's a process of, you have to uh, go through your day with gratitude and kind of how I describe it to clients is look for where God was present. Yeah. yeah. And I think sometimes people get in a myopic view of uh, whether it's be depression, anxiety, whatever it might mm-hmm. be, but they don't see the will the presence of God at different places within their lives. Yeah, even in the suffering. Even in the suffering. And then you also look for those sins and those shortcomings and those failures. And you ask for forgiveness of those shortcomings and those failures. And then you make concrete plans on how to implement yeah. ways of you know fixing it the next the next day. That's all it's all evidence-based. All evidence-based. Holy smokes. I know, right? I'm reading a book on habits right now. Right? And it's just like the same idea. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So I think what 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 Ignatius oh my gosh. and how how we can implement these two together is 
Well, okay, so you got to the end of the day. Yeah. I think I think this is this is the the basil. Uh, so this the is Brazilian next. This is the Brazilian next be development. The, yeah. the, the Avagrian examine. Examine, yeah, exactly. By by uh, yes, Father Deacon Basil. That'd be so cool. If you but that. I, I think I, well, yeah, I think what it does is so you start there, you go through the entire examine, but then you notice where did that you trace it back. To the thoughts. To the thoughts. Yeah. So you have, let's say you screamed at your wife when you came home. Oh, right? I wonder which thought that could be. Well, anger. okay, so that's anger. Okay, but where did that anger start? Right. Okay. You, it started, let's let's pare it back. Let's look at that little malignant seed. Yeah, because even the, the Ignatian examine is very behavioral. It's like, Absolutely. where did I screw up? And the first thing my mind goes to is like, you know, I, whatever, I cut someone off. Or, you know, it's like the, the, the behavior. I'm right. not thinking about my thoughts. So I love that right. you're, you're introducing the Evagrian cognitive model to the examine. It enriches it. And you, and you pull it back. Yeah, to, to that say seed. it was that one thing. Yeah, you look it up in the antereticus. Yep, of saying the anger. Figure out how to talk back. Figure to it me. out, and then what's the concrete thing for the next day? Well, you memorize that specific scripture passage, and you meditate upon that the next day. Mm-hmm. And this is my hypothesis. This is the, the, the as we would say, the Bazillion approach um, for, I love it. for how we would integrate these two. And I think really what it beautiful. does is it, you know, I think sometimes the spiritual life and the psychological life, it becomes this kind of amorphous thing that nobody kind of knows how to, to move forward in. And I think sometimes we have this tendency of being like, I'm still struggling with the same issues yeah, that I have been over, over and, and over and over again. Now, that doesn't mean, look, look. The battle with the demons might take, as we've said, seventy years or eighty for who are strong, which yeah. comes from which comes the from Psalms, the, yeah. the Psalms, but or Proverbs, no, both. Yeah, I think I don't, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so it's it's this long process. It's not an easy process. But I think the problem is is that we look at it within the aggregate. We don't look at it with that day to day kind of. I'm working on this. So if I'm still if I'm still struggling with anger, mm-hmm. when was the last time I really like sat down and tried to pray for meekness? When was the last time I? use the scriptures to fight back against those thoughts mm-hmm. what was the concrete things i did in the spiritual life to work on them the next day you're not going to vanquish a demon in 24 hours Mm-mm. you're not going to vanquish a demon in 21 days there's even a thought about that i, right. I, I just flipped to it i can't remember where it was but it was like think, against the thought of expecting the demon to go away in 24 right. hours which is which is <laughs> and then there's know. like a scripture verse about like lifelong perseverance absolutely but it's this process of little by little by little by little by little. Right. And I think this is what St. Paul meant yeah. when he said um, that, uh, you know, when he was so used that image of the race. I ran the race. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter so much how I started the race. He started the race in great sin, killing Christians. It's how he ended the race. Right. And he made that by little incremental improvements over and over and mm-hmm. over and over again. So that's... The kind of first step here. Well, well, that first step is pretty big. I mean, you just synthesized East and West, Ignatius <laughs> with Evagrius. I mean, I think that's pretty good for a day's work. I absolutely love the Jesuits of the Russian church. <laughs> oh, the man. Jesuits of the Russian church. And I that's think so they've cool. just completely kind of integrated this in a really that's wonderful so way. Cool. So, you know, the Jesuits, when they were, um, when they didn't exist in the West, when they were suppressed in the West, they were actually supported by the Tsaritsa were they in, really? uh, in Russia. And they were these Russian Orthodox Jesuits of all people. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Are you serious? Okay. Yeah. So, so they were it, sure it, they got exposed a, to the Eastern fathers. Absolutely. And there's a complete sort of integration. There's, this is not a, this, it's a weird thing, but it's not an unheard of thing. So. <laughs> Great. Well, I think we should probably leave it there. Leave it there so our, our takeaway can be do the examine prayer. Do the examine But prayer. also look at the eight evil thoughts. Don't just look at your eight crummy behaviors. Absolutely. Yep. Great. Well, thank you. We'll see you next time on the Catholic Psyche Podcast. Adios.